Welcome back. It's Monday, November 16th, 2020. We want to welcome all the cult members back. We are glad to have you this week. If you were just joining us for the first time, strap in. This is End of Regulation, back for episode 57. Go DJ, that's my DJ. Here to break everything down that you missed, what to look forward to, bets, predictions, and much more. I'm pleased to be joined by the best in the biz. Live from Richmond, Dr. Wells, how we do this? Gangsters, what's up guys? Uh, it's good, it's good to be back. I'm, I still got a little bit of a spiffy in my pants after uh, that epic Masters performance Sunday and big Sunday night football win for the Patriots, so I'm ready to get into it, feeling good. Let's go. Heard that. Heard that. Well, let's get um, the kid that is live in Jupiter, Florida on the mic next. Harry Douglas, how we doing? Fun? We are doing well. Uh, it was awesome to see Dustin Johnson drag his enormous wang all over Augusta, Georgia, uh, breaking the uh, record for lowest, <laughs> lowest score in Masters history. Um, obviously, there's some asterisks that have to go behind that with it being in November as opposed to the usual April. But uh, hoping that DJ comes back down here to Jupiter, Florida, where he's a, a resident of, so we can, you know, muck it up, party it up, pop bottles, all that good stuff. At Square Grouper, huh? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. All right. Well, on that note, let's go ahead and kick it off. <clears throat> Cue the music. Second down and seven. Mahomes, Watkins, what a throw! Now you like it is, you're blessed. You're blessed that I chose you. You're blessed that I chose to whoop your ass next. Greatest comebacks in Masters history. One of the greatest comebacks in sports history. All right, ladies and gentlemen. As always, we've got a packed agenda here for you tonight. We're going to do an open forum with some questions and debates. We're going to kick off some heavy PGA discussion. Review DJ taking home the green jacket. We've also got a NFL Week 10 recap for you. And we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming Week 11. And then we'll close things out with some buzzer beaters. So let's just go ahead. I went and Googled most ridiculous questions, pulled the ones that I love the most, figured we could get the wheels warm here. What is something that everyone looks stupid doing? Now, this is something that I had to take into consideration. And I'll give you a quick example just to get, you know, the thought process moving. But riding in a Jeep with the roof off and the doors off. Everyone looks stupid doing that. <clears throat> am I, am I wrong? Uh, no, you're not wrong. I, I don't know. I mean, it, I guess it can look cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, you know, G people are G people, man. They're, you know, you gotta let them just, you gotta let them fly a little bit. I mean, this is a breed They're, of people that honk at each other when they pass. It's like, yeah. yeah and they, they throw up the sign, whatever. What's the sign? Oh no, it's just flashing the lights. <clears throat> something along those lines there, there's I, I some, think yeah i think it it basically means that they meet each other later on in a porta potty and things happen but um, what what are your guys thoughts i've got a i've got a you know you guys know my my take on social media as i just noted prior to but i'm gonna say uh tiktok everyone looks stupid doing it that is yeah. A hundred percent correct. Especially if you're watching someone do it, not even the figure like on the platform and you're watching videos, but if you're watching someone make a TikTok, everybody looks stupid doing it. 
Oh, that's actually even more specific and even more on point. Thank you. Watch watching somebody in public, like on a beach or on a street setting, doing a recorded, choreographed TikTok dance that was probably made up by some eight-year-old in Oklahoma. <clears throat> Everyone looks stupid. That's a, that's a good one. My uh, my take on this is a little more uh, grotesque, I guess. And oddly enough, the first thing that came to mind was like wiping your ass. Like there's no easy, like cute way to do it. You're just kind of like all hunched over and oh, maybe I got to do it again. I don't know. You just there's no good way to do it. And I I just (laughs) I would assume that everybody not that I've seen people doing it, but uh, I, I just think you'd probably look stupid doing it. I've I've had this exact discussion before with one of my friends. Garden, it might have been you. It might have been I can't remember who it was. We were saying, what's a more vulnerable position to be caught doing? Wiping your own ass or jerking off? And we're okay. First of all, listeners, this is going to get a little grotesque, I guess. But what's a more vulnerable vulnerable position to be caught in the act of? Fellating yourself, one hundred percent. I don't. If if somebody walks in on me doing the do in the bathroom and i'm in the midst of cleaning up after the super bowl party where i took the browns to the super bowl uh that's that's more on them like us that sucks for you i'm sorry that you had to witness that if it's the other side of the story it's like on me right like they i didn't lock a door i'm maybe in somebody else's house i mean who knows I hope to God you're not jerking it in somebody else's house. Um, on that note, you're never allowed in my house again. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna play the opposite side here and say you're more vulnerable on the dumper because you know that's kind of my happy place, so to speak. I can just you know scroll through my phone, don't have to worry about anything. Somebody and barges and, in, I'm so and, and, caught off and guard. And it's what it's called pleasing yourself for a reason. It's not called ferociousness. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> my, my thought is like if I'm on the toilet, like in terms of vulnerability, I have my pants and my ankles, um, you know, clearly not paying attention to the world around me. But I don't know. That's a good one. And just people, please remember manners and a simple knock will, you know, eliminate either of those it's, options it's, from ever happening. It's 2020. If you are going into a bathroom and it doesn't have a lock on the door, walk out. That's because. Fair there are bigger underlying issues that are there. If it, like who, who doesn't have locks? You're, you're playing a dangerous game if you go into a bathroom and perform either of those, either of those actions door. without locking the door. You're playing a very dangerous game. Very dangerous. All right. Well, let's move on now that we got down that rabbit hole to something that's very dangerous. And that's you all imagining how many chickens it would take to kill a full-grown elephant. This is a trick question. It just takes one. Just one really pissed-off chicken. Not a chance. The elephant would just take its trunk and boot that thing. I I think it's a trick question for a different answer. I think there is no amount of chickens. You don't think so? Kill. No, I don't think so. I don't you think, don't think any amount. a million chickens pecking an elephant could kill it? No. Nope. Not even close. All right. I like that. 
I mean, if they're using special tranquilizer darts to break the tough skin of an elephant, I can't imagine that a chicken is going to do any damage. So I think you debunk that one real quick. All right. Now we're going to get to a more serious topic, and this is uh, kind of a debate open forum for you all. I recently, and we always love to endorse other podcasts, the Tim Dillon Show, comedian, podcaster. <clears throat> love the guy. He's from Long Island, born and raised. He just recently had on an investigative journalist who blew up a whole bunch of information about Jeffrey Epstein his uh, and Ghislaine's ties to Mossad. But this week they discussed artificial intelligence and the heavy incorporation in our society alluding to the fact that we will have to essentially become China to be able to keep up as a world power. And so Silicon Valley and <clears throat> our emotions and our actions and everything we do in our daily lives will all be tied and intersected together. And places like China, they have a social, a social credit score where essentially you're docked for not paying tickets on time, jaywalking, and it can affect how you buy plane tickets, train tickets, very scary stuff. But that's something that they're now discussing in Silicon Valley is rolling out softwares that allow for all these corporations to use the same softwares, for all the people to use the same softwares, essentially making us all just one generic object. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. So how is that any different from just like my credit score? Because if my so, credit score goes down, I can't buy things like, I mean, I know I guess we're talking true. bigger things like a car I mean, or a house. Look, this exists in the United States and it exists in the UK and you've got companies like Experian and Experian, right? Yeah, I think that's what it is. That monitor your credit and like you said, it'll affect how you buy a house, it'll affect how you buy a car, but they're not monitoring you in the sense of jaywalking your actions in public you get docked in china for playing music too loudly in public and in you know on subways while i like the thought of punishing those assholes how you know how far does it go i mean like sounds, elon it sounds musk, pretty uh, elon musk is talking about neural links yeah dude i mean we're talking elon musk is discussing neural you know neural links that are going to be implanted in people's heads I mean, that's just one more step to conforming everybody into the same, you know, same person, same thought process, same ideas, same likes and interests. Yeah, it's very George Orwellian. I can't wait. 1984. He was off by a few years. It's going to be like 2040, but, you know. Harry, I thought you had a lot more to say about this. I, I mean... I think it's. I think we have to go go down that hole of, of AI. I mean, it might. I mean, it, it takes AI takes on like a million different faces. Quite quite frankly, China uses it for very specific and and controlling ways. I mean, they're a, a communist country, so you know that's that's how they're going to use it. And that's how they're going to develop it by having like, you know the facial recognition on on all of their cameras and being able. They, I saw this one video where. There's a, a camera watching a classroom of kids and on the classroom, the AI was able to, to pick up whether the kid was concentrating or distracted and it would literally like 
have their face on facial recognition and say above each each individual kid whether <clears throat> whether they were doing just that, whether they were concentrating what the teacher was saying, or whether whether they were distracted. I don't know what that information is used for, but it's but it can pretty, be used for it, good. It can like absolutely the- be used for good. And, and we need to develop it because if we don't, then we're, we're only doing ourselves a disservice because other powers, other world powers are developing it in ways that is, is harmful uh, to, to our you know, but, sovereignty. But that's the problem, right? Is like if you ever watch Social Dilemma or whatever the Netflix documentary was and we've discussed social media you know, a ton, there's two very polar opposite sides to that coin. And what you're discussing monitoring children seeing if they're concentrating that kind of stuff is super helpful like that can tell us you know who needs to be uh, more attentive who do we need to focus on who do we need to provide more you know work to support to whatever it might be and that can be applied in the workplace as well but on the other side of that it can be used for really scary crap, like monitoring you jaywalking, playing music in public, smoking cigarettes and throwing them out, you know, not in proper manners. Like, I get that they're all trending towards helping society, but, you know, we we saw what Snowden did exposing Big Brother, and this is just an even deeper tunnel. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt in my mind that this artificial intelligence artificial intelligence is going to be used for good and it's going to be used for bad like that there's an absolutely no way to stop that but definitely more bad than good i imagine without without question i mean i i think you know on the day-to-day there might be you know benefits to I, i mean there's a million different things i mean like my company has has an ai algorithm that you know, does what it does, um, and, and how it how it models data and, and things like that. But I mean, look at Key, Clearview AI, the company that is now one of the most the most highlighted examples of AI and how they used it. Basically, they scoured the entire internet, pulled everybody's faces, information, all of it, and you could take a picture of someone in a restaurant and they it would tell you everything you needed to know about them pull you to their social media platforms and initially they said oh we're selling it to police forces to help with criminals and it did help with that but then they released it to the public and so you allow it to go into the hands of perverts and taking pictures of kids and figuring out who they are or guys taking pictures of girls figuring out who they are and stalking them like it's very slippery slope i just wanted to bring it up I won't allow us to go any further down the rabbit hole, but I, I'll just say as like a last point, I, I'm definitely for artificial intelligence only be, like for the exact point I made before is because other countries, everybody in the world who's, who's a, a modern civilization or, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, is going to be developing their own form of artificial intelligence. If we did not do it, we're only we're only hurting ourselves in the long run, long run of, of being a, a world power. Yeah, 100%. All right, well, let's move on to a less serious but also serious note, and that's the PGA, Masters Tournament. Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? The Masters have come and gone before you can even say Augusta. However, it brought about some electric golf to watch and an unlikely winner in Dustin Johnson. The kid is a product of columbia south carolina just miles from augusta national golf course so this was a monumental moment uh in his career 
and for the sport of golf in general, as Harrison said, uh, with Dustin Johnson scoring the lowest recorded score uh, at Augusta. So with that being said, I wanted to kick it off to you guys to discuss the Masters in November, how that played out, the top five on the leaderboard at the end of Sunday, and anything else Augusta-related. Well, I think first and foremost, we need to highlight the obvious. How hot is Paulina Gretzky, or Johnson now, I should say. But God damn, talk about stealing the show. As soon as DJ came off, you know, everybody's cheering. The camera was all over Paulina, and I, I couldn't be happier about it. Holy hell. How about her wearing a green, an all-green Adidas track jacket? Oh, dude, I loved it. Showing a little midriff? Yes, please. I, I mean, she that, knew exactly yes. what she was doing. Like, she, go, Harry. That's she, what I'm talking about. She was, like, she was like, yeah, we're winning the green jacket today. I'm going to wear my, you know, sexy little Adidas, you know, green track track jacket. And then we're going to go to Jupiter, Florida, and you're going to make me another baby. Yeah. Or, or, yeah, whatever they do. I mean, they already have two kids. Like, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll have one more. But um, I, I will say... Um, you know, for the amount of money that they're paying DJ, you better believe that uh, that Pauline is going to be rocking Adidas too. Are you so, guys are you guys shocked that DJ pulled this out, or is this something I, that you saw I, coming from you know Friday afternoon on? I, I, I well after Thursday, I definitely you know I, I think he went under the radar a bit for as for being the world number one. You know, there was just so much talk around Bryson that I am pissed at myself for for kind of jumping on the hype train because it was very clear that Bryson cannot handle the heat like that. Um, I, I would not say whatsoever that Dustin is like an unlikely winner. I mean, he's world number one for a reason. He absolutely crushed it this year. And I can I expect him to continue the, the same trajectory next season as well. Um but yeah, I mean, once once he had the lead and once he just looks like so calm and collected, I mean, through the first uh, 36 holes, he had hit, yeah, through the first 36 holes, he had hit 32 greens in regulation. I mean, if you're doing that, you're going to go low. You're going to make a lot of birdies. You're going to make eagles. And, and more, probably more importantly than anything, you're not going to make many bogeys. Um, and that's exactly what he did. He just, he, he was super calm and collected. He, he, you know, knew exactly what he had to do. Um, was the course easier this, this week than it is normally? Yeah, probably it's, it's, it was wetter. It, it dumped rain on them on, you know, th- uh, Wednesday night and Thursday morning, which obviously made the course extremely soft and, and playable. Um, and that's where you saw a lot of guys just kind of pin seeking for, for lack of a better phrase, um, and, and making a lot of birdies. And that's why we saw all these low scores at the end of the day. You know, while we're on the topic of DJ and lowest recorded, you know, score, of all time, I do want to highlight something that was just, it was painful. <clears throat> it was like a bad accident that you couldn't take your eyes off. And there was another record that was had by Tiger Woods. Um, and that was the highest recorded score on a par three uh, of his career. He shot a 10. And um, if you saw it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He just could not catch a break. And... It yeah. was one ball in the sink, two ball in the sink, one in the sand, from sand to sink, and it just didn't stop there. Um, but, you know, you root for him the whole time. It was tragic to see. 
but he I think he finished every hole after that with a birdie. So he kind of redeemed himself. Yeah. He it's it was the first 10 Tiger Woods has ever made in his professional career. Maybe in his golf career period. So I'm willing to cut him a little slack there. And yeah, like you said, he birdied the last 5 of 6, but I mean, it was Sunday and I think the biggest takeaway I had from all of this was that really almost aside from DJ, it looked like everybody was just kind of drained and you know defeated in a sense like you saw it with like louis uh Ustazen on saturday came out super slow uh jt looked pretty you know defeated and he's you know still good enough to hang around at the top of the leaderboard but my biggest takeaway from the whole masters in november was the you know having to finish around the next morning where like the later tea times sort of got pushed back and then these players had to come out on Friday, Saturday morning and end up playing, you know, 23, 24 holes of golf. Um, and while it didn't really affect DJ, I think you really saw it take a toll on a lot of these players. And then, you know, moving day comes around and, you know, halfway through Saturday, you're thinking to yourself, all right, I'm, you know, 10, 11 shots back. And it, it, it's, e- I don't want to say it's easy for them, but I would definitely understand if a lot of these players kind of just decided to throw in the towel, so to speak. And, you know, it, it, it was, I don't want to take away from DJ, but I cannot wait for April, right? The next, the next major is the Masters, right? Yeah, next major is the Masters. And, and, and Tom makes a good point. I mean, their, their schedule from the get-go, their schedule was kind of, you know, a rent, a major wrench was, th- was thrown in it, um, by not being able to everyone, not being able to have everyone finish on Thursday. Um, that it, it just, it makes things difficult. I mean, especially for these guys who are, I mean, granted they're, you know, they're athletes, you know, golfers are athletes at the end of the day, but playing 27 holes in one day in a, in a major tournament and, and arguably like the biggest major tournament, um, is is difficult for these guys even especially for the likes of tiger who obviously is is injury issues that still linger to this day and you know how his back can get tight and you know you saw it with louis i think it's a great example of someone who's really not had injury issues but as someone who's you know a little bit on the older side like he just doesn't have the endurance to play that that level of golf for you know six seven hours on end in a, in one day uh, to be able to to stick with the field, and that's I think that's why we saw him drop off the map on, on Saturday. And you know, with that also being said, moving day at Augusta is is high pressure, and and everybody knows that they have to shoot you know four, five, six under to even stay in contention, and and that's a lot of pressure uh, to to make you know not even to make six birdies, but to to you know probably make seven or eight or nine because you know that bogeys are going to be out there as well. So. It was a great tournament. Uh, you know, kudos to Augusta and 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 their green staff for putting together a pretty damn good course, uh, given you know the change in time uh, in the time of the year. And yeah, they'll be they'll be back at Augusta in April. And uh, I would be hard pressed to believe that Dustin Johnson will not be the favorite for that again. So I would be stoked to see him go back to back here. Let's uh, circle back quickly, Tom, and I'll kick it over to you on. Bryson, what's your thoughts on what we saw as just an absolute collapse? I mean, the guy finished tied for 34th. I think going into this, we discussed him being a favorite, you know, in Vegas. I mean, he was. He was the heavy favorite. And 
I just I don't know. It's it's a double edged sword with his his drives, and you know when it works, yeah, he's bombing the ball four hundred yards, and when it doesn't work, he's in the shit. And as good as a as good as a, a short game player he's become, um, it just it just didn't really add up for him this week. And I I honestly I think he just went in a little a little too cocky, you know, fresh off his U.S. Open. Mr. You know, look at me. This works for me. He got I'm changing the game of golf. He was just too <laughs> yoked. He might have been too yoked, but I, I don't know. I th- I think at the end of the day, I think he was just riding his high horse a little too much, and Augusta humbled him big time. Let me and ask you guys uh, something on that. I forget which hole it was, but the he crushed a shot off the tee as per usual, but he lost the ball like in the rough. They legitimately couldn't find it. I don't know if you guys recall this, but mm-hmm. from a rule standpoint, does he get penalized for that? Does he take a stroke? Yeah, yeah, it's a lost ball. Really interesting. Yeah, so so that ball that ball certainly plugged uh, in the rough. It happens. The rough was a bit shaggier than than they normally have it. Uh, it was also wet, as I alluded to before. Um, so that ball just plugged in. It sucks. But there's nothing you can do about it. It's a lost ball. It's a, it's a stroke penalty, and you have to re-tee. So he was hitting two off the tee. That means uh, he's two back on the tee, hitting threes, three in the fairway, and then and then he has to continue playing from that point. Man, yeah, I mean, and I'm pretty sure that he put his second follow-up shot right in the same spot. I would also like to highlight um, the reemergence of Rory McIlroy who came out and he was like three over on Thursday and then finished like 11 or 12 under, um, which was just, it was great to see because, you know, we've been, we had talked a little bit last week about how Rory has really fallen off recently. And just to see him in contention on Sunday was, it was refreshing. And I, um, I haven't looked yet, but I would love to see what these opening odds are for the 2021 Masters, because if Rory has any decent price around, I don't know, plus a thousand, plus nine hundred, uh, I would, I would very much be interested in taking those odds. Do they anticipate the Masters being in April this year or in 2021? Yeah, they. Though, I think the idea, as long as COVID, you know, uh, goes away or whatever, um, they will be going back to a, a regular schedule for the 2021 PGA season. Nice. All right. Well, we'll look forward to it and it'll be here before we know it. So let's go ahead and close that out. Before I do, I did want to highlight something that I had zero clue existed. And uh, I feel like kind of an idiot. But are you guys aware of what the crow's nest is? So not the crow's nest is a 30 by 40 foot room atop the clubhouse uh, at Augusta. And it is available living quarters. I, I believe it can sleep as much as five. And it's for the amateurs during the Masters. And I looked at some pictures. You guys should peep it. It's kind of freaking cool. Wildly outdated. And it's kind of like a rite of patch, uh, passage. But it's definitely a place to draw some inspiration. Jack Nicklaus, you know, Ben Crenshaw, Tiger Woods all stayed there. All went on to win the Masters. So who knows? Maybe in a couple years we'll see a young cat that bunked up there pull off a green jacket yeah what was the the little amateur this year was uh andy ogletree he uh he he was funny i was listening to one of his or his uh i guess his 
his post-Sunday interview, and he was talking about teeing up with Tiger. Uh, he played with Tiger Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, which is really, really special for for any golfer. Um, I couldn't imagine doing that and the nerves to come along with that. So for him to still kind of clean it up and, and finish as a low amateur, uh, shout out Andy Ogletree. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, well, let's go ahead and push onwards to the NFL. We've got Week 10 to review. We've got three or four major topics that we want to discuss. But first, I want to kick it off to you guys with some predictions before this game ends. Who's going to pull this off, Bears or Vikings? Tom, Tom you want to give the update of what just happened? So, yeah, down, game's currently going on. So Down 7-6 to six at half. Cordero Patterson just housed the opening kickoff. And uh, in, in true Cordero Patterson fashion, just one cut gone. And it is now 13-7 Bears. Um, if I'm making predictions with uh, my brain, I'm not counting the Vikings out yet, but they got to go now. And this is where Kirk starts to, you know, show his true colors. It's all fun and games when they can just feed Dalvin Cook, but if they get down another score here and Kirk is forced to throw the ball and this this Bears defense can just pin their ears back and, and get after him, I like Chicago here. And don't forget, right. Kirk Cousins is 0-9 on Monday Night Football. To, all right, to that point, I was going to bring that up. 0-9 on Monday Night Football. However, I believe that curse is going to be broken tonight. I'm going to go against the grain. I figure both of you are on the Bears train. Even with an 0-9 record, I think with the Bears coming off these three losses, Kirk Cousins is going to shine in this fourth quarter. He's going to pull off a victory. I'm going to say three to seven points. They're going to win by a field goal or by a single touchdown. Well, I got I got the under and I got Bears three and a half, so you can have your field goal. All right. Yeah, I got the same one, so yeah. I'll uh, Actually, I think I have Bears plus three. Fuck. Damn it. <laughs> push is a win. Yeah, I took the under, so um I would win. Well as long as as long as they stop scoring. I need I need Vikings not to score on this drive, essentially. But yes, continue on. Alrighty. Let's push onwards. Next topic here, gentlemen. Holy Hail Mary. And that's right, we're talking about the Arizona Cardinals. They beat Buffalo. This weekend, 32-30 to 30 after a last-minute Hail Mary to none other than DeAndre Hopkins. He ripped the ball out of not one, not two, but three defenders' arms, dragged the ball down for the catch to win the game. They pushed to the number one spot in the NFC West. Uh, Rams and Bills are also sitting at 6-3, and three, and this gives them 12 hours to celebrate in preparation for Thursday night's game against the Seahawks. Gentlemen, not only was that just a magnificent catch, but I want to discuss the Cardinals in general. Kyler Murray, what your thoughts are going into this game against the Seahawks and really their future going forward uh, You know, as we approach the playoffs. Okay, first of all... Uh... The real winner of that catch last night, by the way, I know the Cardinals won the game on that Hail Mary. Good for them. They're a solid team. I'll go into that in a second. The real winner of that catch was Air Jordan and the Jumpman logo. Just a few inches above all of the other gloves in that fucking in that mess. 
and just DeAndre Hopkins coming down with it. I mean, it's just like branding the brand team at at Jumpman is going is going to have a fucking field day with that picture. Um, with that being said, uh, Cardinals going to a really tough game against against Seattle Seahawks, who have actually been kind of reeling a little bit the past couple of weeks. So I think this is a perfect time. Ride the momentum of that Hail Mary into Thursday Night Football. Kyler Murray is very, very quickly putting himself in the MVP discussion. I know through the first, you know, eight weeks, Russell Wilson was kind of the foregone conclusion. But I don't know, man. Kyler Murray can make it happen. He's he's quick with his feet. He's got a hell of an arm. Um, and this Arizona Cardinals team is solid. I, I'm not completely sold on their defense. But... Uh, Look out for them come playoff time because they can definitely make they can definitely make some noise, no doubt. Zanya, I want to hear your thoughts on the Cardinals that catch and just kind of going forward. I th- I thought I mean the play itself was incredible. Maybe one of the top five Hail Marys I'd ever seen. Uh, it was truly special to me because I had the over in that game, and while it was already pushing at fifty six, that last second touchdown ended up cashing the over. So great night for me. Very happy about that. But, man, is DeAndre Hopkins just special. He is just, you know, Murray's doing his thing, and I agree with everything Harrison said, but there's maybe one or two other guys in the NFL that you could have put in there, substituted for DeAndre Hopkins to make that play. But even still, he is just, he's something else, dude. And he's just, the way he conducts himself, how, you know, humble and, and confident he is talking about it after the fact, He's just an unbelievable player. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL, and I cannot wait for this game um, Thursday night. Being said, you can go ahead and ride the Cardinals. Um, Harrison, I will be taking the Seahawks. I think this is a great opportunity to buy low on a team that has lost two in a row. Um, But, you know, like you said, Russ Wilson, he's, you know, he's an MVP candidate for a reason. And it's quickly becoming a must-win game for Seattle. I, I kind of like the Seahawks this week. I got to say, Thursday night football games are not necessarily all that exhilarating. But this is probably going to be, in my opinion, you know, one for the ages, a.k.a. the season. But um, I, I really genuinely agree with Harrison. I've been impressed with Kyler Murray. I slept on him coming into the draft. This is a kid that was supposed to go and play for the A's. Uh, a completely different sport, but here he is slanging footballs. And this is a little bit of a hot take, but he subtly reminds me of a, of a young Russ Wilson. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's a, a feasible comparison. They're both tiny. They're both MLB prospects. Uh, but and they're, 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 they're but both they're have cannon quick. arms. They're quick. They can run the ball. They're smart players. They can throw the ball well. And uh, so I think this matchup on Thursday night is going to be great between the two of them. You've got Seahawks. Harry, who are you taking? Uh, I, I, do, I, do, I do like Tom's point of, of buy, you know, buying a team uh, at a low point. Um, I do want to make the comparison, though. Like, Not only are Russell Wilson and, and Kyler Murray stylistically similar quarterbacks, but they're all also both highly touted MLB prospects back, you know, Kyler obviously more recently. But um, Russell Wilson was drafted, I believe, by the New York Yankees, um, went back in his college days. 
with that with that being said, I don't know what the line set at right now, but I am leaning towards Arizona, but TBD on that. Let's uh let let's just not pick sides and we'll just take the over and have ourselves a good Thursday night. Who doesn't like a good Thursday night over? I heard that. I heard that. All right. Well, let's move on here. Um, we've got a solid topic up next. And we categorized it as Great Odin's Raven. The New England Patriots defeat the Baltimore Ravens. I sit here looking into Tom's two different colored eyes and seeing him smile brings me joy. They win 23 to 17 on Sunday night. It's a physical game between both these two teams, uh, which almost resulted in Tom's boy, Nikhil Harry, landing back on the injured reserve list, but it seemingly didn't stop them, and they walked away with a W. Uh, We'll kick it over to you, Tom, before I ask some questions to kind of recap and give us your thoughts on this win. I mean, it it was an excellent just team win. Um, this is classic Belichick at his best, just scheming the shit out of Harbaugh and the Ravens. And, you know, weather conditions aside, it was a monsoon out. It was disgusting. But both teams had to play in it. And the fact is we forced Lamar Jackson to have to make throws to throw the ball. And I, th- I think the bright lights caught up to him once again. And we're, we're starting to see his true colors. He's now, what is it, Owen... Seven, maybe he's like zero and six or zero and seven when being down by ten points or more at any point in the game, and you know the Patriots for the first what felt like for the first time all year really didn't do anything stupid. They didn't turn the ball over. Ironically, the Patriots are one of like the least penalized teams in the league. But my biggest takeaway from last night was the emergence of Damian Harris, um, our rookie. Or I don't know. I think he's a second year player. I don't, I don't remember. Anyways, he's had his like fourth hundred yard game of the year, just hard nosed power football kind of guy. And I think we really are seeing that that's the the identity of the Patriots. Our defense is slowly coming together. J.C. Jackson is quietly leading the NFL with like six or seven interceptions. Nobody's talking about him. We didn't even have Stephon Gilmore last night, so I think the Patriots are just kind of getting into their groove here. And they this is a got, lot like they still uh, got Rex Burkhead making moves. Dude, don't get me started on sexy Rexy. That motherfucker lost me two different fantasy games in two different leagues this year. But I'm not even mad about it because not the Pats got mad. a dub. And uh, what was I just going to highlight? Just uh, fuck, I lost my train of thought here. Oh, Nikhil Harry. Uh, fuck him. I could care less about Nikhil Harry. Guy's a bum. Waste of a pick. Hasn't done anything since we drafted him last year in the first round. So. Thanks for playing Nikhil Harry. All right. With that being said, if Nikhil Harry, Julian Edelman, and Sony Michelle, who are all not 100% and banged up right now, some of which I believe are actually on the IR, uh, Harrison, do you think that the Patriots are prepared for and are capable of beating the Houston Texans? I think the Texans are a great team for the Pats to go against to just continue to build some momentum um arguably one of the worst defenses in the in the national football league getting a player like sony michelle back would be i think huge for them i think he he had a he was 
having a pretty promising start. I know his, I think in his second game, he rushed for over 100 yards. Um, but he adds like a, just a, a different dynamic to that offense, being able to kind of have, let's call it like the three-headed, three-and-a-half-headed monster with Damian Harris, uh, James White, Rex Burkhead, and then he throws Sony Michelle into the mix. Yes, wide receiver is a massive, massive issue for them. And I don't feel like Cam is <laughs> – he's getting kind of the short end of the stick with some of the criticism he's gotten this year. But I think Houston, going into Houston is a perfect team because I do expect him to win this game and, and start to build a little momentum going into, you know, the, the final stretch of the season. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like to, I like to see the Patriots continue, uh, a little win streak here and, and, and otherwise uneventful year for, for new England. All right. So with that being said, and I'll kick this over to whomever wants to take it first, do you think that the Patriots can make a successful playoff run this year? They're third in the AFC East behind the Dolphins at six and three and the Bills at six and three. Are we going to be able to see them succeed all the way through the playoff season? Or, as Harrison alluded to, is the wide receiver fleet or lack thereof and the injuries that they've incurred uh, going to be a huge issue for them long term? Uh, well, injuries aside, I don't think this team needs Sony Michelle or Julian Edelman moving forward. Edelman, maybe. I don't think you're going to see much of Sony Michelle, to be honest. I think until further notice, uh, we've we've seen that we can get it done without him. And Harris is better, you know, equal or not better. Uh, being said, there are six teams, um, I think, all in the AFC that are sitting at six and three right now. And so a wild card spot is going to be difficult uh, to maneuver our way into. We definitely dug ourselves a hole. But you saw this last year with the Titans. The Titans started out two and four and got right middle of the season and they went on a run. So can the Patriots do it? Yes, the numbers are, you know, a little bit stacked against them. We have Houston. And then I think in a couple of weeks, the Patriots play back-to-back weeks against the Chargers and the Rams in L.A. So that's going to be a huge test before we finish the season with three divisional games. So obviously, we're going to have to win out those last three divisional games, and we're going to need some luck along the way. Um, you've, got think- a, you've got a bit of a bumpy road. You've got Houston, obviously, this Sunday, which we've discussed, but then you're playing the Cardinals, the Chargers, the Rams, and as you mentioned, the Dolphins and Bills follow. So there is yeah, I mean, a lot gonna, on the line. It's it's going to be uh, what, what really people have been kind of jabbing Belichick at all year. I think this is going to just be classic Belichick. He's going to come out. He's going to, you know, the Rams is going to be tough because of that defense. And I think the Cardinals game, the Cardinals will probably be another loss just if that offense gets going. It's going to be a hell of a game, and that's going to be, you know, Belichick's sort of crown jewel of this season will be a win in that Arizona game. But I think the rest of them are all manageable. Each divisional game, I think we can win. I mean, we're talking about a team here that we took the Chiefs down to the wire. Um, We lost on the very last play of the game by one point to Seattle. So despite our record, you know, we could easily be looking at a, a, a six and three team instead of a, what, what are we, four and five, five and five at this point, four and five. So while there's been ups and downs of this year, I think it's just it's just fun to to finally be a, a normal NFL fan. You know, 
somebody that's week in and week out, like, oh, what's going to happen? How important is this game? You know, typically, as, as a, a Patriots fan, I don't pay attention for the first four months of the season. We get a bye in the playoffs. We kick the shit out of somebody in the, a, in the uh, divisional round. And just like that, we're in the AFC championship. So just to just to not know the uncertainty of every like you know how important each game is, it's just exciting, man. I'm I'm having a good time this year, regardless <laughs> of the round. It's, I mean, for fuck's sake, uh, what Tom is what Tom is is not saying, and and there's just it's such a, a massive amount of bias in this answer is the Patriots aren't going to make the fucking playoffs. Let's just let's just call it a spade a spade here. They're just not going to make the playoffs, Tom. It's thank okay. you. Thank you. They're uh, not going to make it. You want to put my, a little gentleman's bet on that? Yeah, I would love to put a gentleman's bet on the Patriots right. making the playoffs. I would. I, well, first of all, it's going to be recorded, what, so you, you should go ahead and put 50, and put it on. You want to put 100? You want to put 20? You want, what do you want to do? I'll give you $5 and a firm handshake, Harrison. Yeah. A, right, virtual, so, a virtual so handshake. I don't want your slimy COVID hands touching. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No. Realistically speaking, they they walk away with a W against Houston, and they move to five and five. I could not be more confident that we're going to kick the shit out of the Texans this weekend. Oh, 100 percent. But you're going to lose to the Cardinals, so you move to five and six. Okay, you, I'll I give you that. The Chargers will be uh, a good game, and I think you can move to six and six there. The Rams. Is a toss up, but they I'll play. Gi- they play well at home. But I'll give it to you guys and say seven and six. I genuinely believe that you will lose to the Dolphins. We never play well in Miami. You'll be seven and seven. Yeah, and that and that defense is fucking stout. You'll be seven and seven going into the Bills, which is also a toss up in my opinion. Actually, you, the Patriots do historically well against the Bills. And then the Jets. So you can basically finish up nine and six, maybe seven. We're, we're, look, seven, we're, looking, eight, at nine, seven. we're looking at nine and seven. Nine and seven is probably the target right now. And any and that's you know, that's sketch because like I said, all these six and three teams are gonna have to end up going three and four. So there is gonna be a little bit of luck involved with the Patriots getting into the playoffs. We are gonna need some help. Uh, but you know, like you said, the Miami game rookie quarterback late in the season with the playoffs on the line. Phil's going to have something drawn up for Tua that he's never seen before. All right. And then we got Her- right. Herbert, Herbert and the chargers. Yeah, they're a good team, but again, rookie quarterback. I, I think we can get away with 10 and six. And then don't forget if the wild card comes down to it, we do have a tiebreaker with our win over the Raiders earlier in this year. So there is a path. It's a dark path. Let's, it's a little messy, but let's I di- lost let's dissect time. that other side of the spectrum there with those two teams that are six and three, the Bills and the Dolphins. Do you think that these teams are capable of managing outside of their divisions, outside of their conferences, and continuing their success, or do you think this will be short lived and be exhausted come playoffs? I think what you're seeing with Tua right now is, you know, he is. He looks the part. He hasn't turned the ball over. Five touchdowns, no interceptions through the games that he's played. But I, I think there is just he's due for some regression at some point. And unfortunately, it's going to come late in the season when all these veteran quarterbacks and veteran teams are gunning for a playoff spot. And as good as their defense is, it just it just doesn't feel like it's Miami's time just yet. All right. 
All right, well, let's move on. Uh, we've got another headline here, and that is sad, sad Saints. Not necessarily because of the record, but more so because of the injury alerts. The New Orleans Saints are banged up after their victory, 27-13 to over the 49ers this weekend. Um, but they're looking at the following injuries down the pipe. Drew Brees with multiple rib fractures on both sides of his chest and a collapsed lung on his right side. Traquan Smith, wide receiver, is in concussion protocol. Malcolm Butler has a calf, uh, calf injury. And Josh Hill with concussion protocol. So none of those players really matter besides Drew Brees. Um, not really sure. We're waiting on an update in terms of when he'll be back to 100%. The guy played a couple more snaps after that happened, which is just incredible. You're talking about an OG quarterback just showing up. Um, but do you guys have concerns about the Saints' success without Breeze? Do they turn to Hill? Do they turn to Winston? Where do they go from here? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, out of the list you mentioned, Drew Breeze is the only name that really matters on there. Um, unfortunate injury to someone like him. It says right now that he'll be out for two to three weeks. We'll see. That sounds like a pretty intense injury. Um, knowing that breaking a rib and breaking multiple ribs is incredibly painful. Um, it to the point where it even hurts to breathe. I can only imagine how painful it is to actually collapse a lung. In terms of, it's going to be a little bit of tough sledding for the Saints. Uh, they'd still, I mean, when you have Alvin Kamara and when you have that defense, you can pretty much stay in any game. But is Hill a better option than Jameis Winston? I This is the first time I've seen Jameis Winston, obviously since he, he left Tampa Bay, where he actually had a pretty solid stat line outside of the amount of interceptions he throws. And I think that's just it. I mean, even watching him in the second half of that game, he's just so inaccurate and and so like indecisive with his decision making. I just he don't think, thinks. dude. He, it's he almost is, like he doesn't want to be there. To, it's like he's it's just there for the team and like having fun. It's always him dancing around, biting the W's, fucking around. It's like what what are you celebrating for? You didn't win shit. It is yeah exactly. It is so hard to watch him play football. So with that being said, I think Taysom Hill, although they would run a predominantly like a, a wildcat RPO style offense, I think he is the best option moving forward. And I think he's the best option that the rest of the team would have confidence in, in him to not only be able to advance the ball down the field, but just ball protection. You know, he obviously, you know, he's not he's not played quarterback in, in, in a long time, but he does. He is able to throw the ball if they can run some sort of. RPO style offense. I think they'd be able to rely on their defense to to hold their own and, and keep games close and ultimately try to snag a few wins while Brees is is uh, is on the mend. It sounds it sounds like Hill is just a safer bet statistically. You know, with the amount of interceptions that he's turning over, great. If you can throw in a couple of touchdowns, but if we're turning the ball over and our defense is just running ragged, doesn't do anybody good. With that being said. The Saints have a pretty simple schedule all the way until week 15. Week 11 through 14, they're facing the Falcons, the Broncos, the Falcons again, and then the Eagles. So, I imagine with what Harrison said, if you throw in Hill, play smart football, they can walk away with four Ws there. But then they face Kansas City, and they can only just pray that Drew Brees is back which, by then. 
Yeah, but at that point, it might not even matter. It, it really won't. I, I think I think it's likely to say that they'll go three and one in that stretch. I think they'll drop one game to the Falcons, who are starting to look better. I mean, granted, their offense, their defense is, is also just horrific. But I think the Falcons will sneak a win out in one of those games. I'm not doesn't matter which don't really care. I think they'll go three and one at that point. What are they there? They would move to excuse me for a second while I have to look this up. Uh, at that point, they'd be 10 and three um, going into a game versus Kansas City. And, and at that point, you know, their playoff position is pretty much going to be locked up and, and it really won't matter. And they could sit, Gardner, you're on mute, but they could sit Drew Brees easily again for that week just to make sure he's 100% healthy heading into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah good I point. Think, I think it'll come down to really who pulls away in the NFC West. What When you're looking at, you know, there's three teams, the Cardinals, the Rams, and the Seahawks are all 6-3 and three in the NFC West. And if push comes to shove for, you know, that, that wild card spot or playoff home field advantage of some sort, then I think you might see Breeze try and strap it up and, and, and get the job done. But I would not be surprised if if they just keep him on the bench and, like you said, just just rest him up. Because the last thing you want is you, essentially the one of the best quarterbacks of all time to not make a playoff run. I mean, who? it's fun watching Taysom Hill come out and run the Wildcat. Or, is he going to pass it? Is he going to run it? Who knows? But Silly guy. Not, that shit's not going to fly in the playoffs. But you know Come what? On. How crazy would it be to see Jameis Winston come in and win a Super Bowl? <laughs> that would make me horny, honestly. Straight, just Nick Foles style. Just comes That's what in, I'm wins, saying. Wins just, a Super Bowl, gets a massive contract with some team, and then sucks. Sucks. Just terrible. Just, I realized it quickly. Um, well, not quickly, but it really came to fruition watching Jameis try and play uh, yesterday in the second half. And he's just... He lacks in really, I think it's just intelligence Everything. and maturity. Uh, Everything. It's just a, a horrible lack of both. So, so he, is play, he is playing for another job. Don't so mind you that that might kind of kick into gear now that he's he's going to be starting. He has a full week of prep. He is going to be playing for a new contract somewhere. So maybe that'll shape him up a bit. So while I was looking at the injured reserve, uh, Looking into Drew Brees, as I also stumbled across the fact that so this guy fractured multiple ribs, collapsed a lung, still went on to take multiple snaps. Harrison, you'll love this. Guess who left for a X-ray on his thumb? Matthew Motherfucking Stafford. Oh yeah, he dude. That guy's made of glass. I, I've said this. I said this last year. I said this. We can go back into the archives of end of regulation. I've said it a million times. Matthew Stafford is literally made of fucking glass. He's he. I he's genuinely the most what? overpaid, overrated, most breakable quarterback of all and, time. And people, because he because he puts up like decent stat, good decent to really like pretty good stats. But I don't give a fuck about stats. If you're not winning football games, if you're not going to the playoffs. If you're not even going anywhere far in the playoffs, if you do make it, then what good are you? Guy can't leave the the hospital bed, you know. So it's yeah, good. Oh well, at least he can chug a beer. Great, good for you. Oh yeah, Matt solid. Stafford. Good for you. So can Tom Brady. I still hate him. All right. <laughs> um, speaking of which, that's a name that is on the table for discussion this year on the 2020 regular season. 
uh, you know, we're talking MVP here. We want to give you guys some updates on our thoughts, who we're favoring to win most valuable player. Obviously, I kind of know where Tom lies on this, but do you think Tom Brady will win MVP, or are there too many good names in the hat this season? I think it just comes down to whoever is – I think it really is just going to be whoever has the most touchdown passes at the end of the year. I know there's a lot of, like, a, a lot of factors, obviously, but – the fact of the matter is the Bucks are likely going to be the one seed or the two seed in the NFC. And Brady is fourth in the league in passing yards, uh, fourth in the league in touchdowns, both of which are behind Russell Wilson. So I think if he can catch up to Russell Wilson, then obviously, you know, Brady's never out of the conversation, but it'll make it a lot closer. Uh, regardless of the regression that we've seen, though, I am still of the belief that it's going to be Russell Wilson. So sorry, Tom, but go fuck yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Harry, what are your thoughts? MVP this season. Uh, I know you, I know you mentioned Kyler Murray. Do you think that's something that'll pan out? Well, when you really look at it, Kyler Murray is like 13th in, pa- in, in passing yards uh, in terms of TDs. And, and granted that's, passing yards strictly i know that he's got quite a few yards on the ground uh in terms of of passing touchdowns he's 11th um he's thrown let's see he's thrown eight interceptions which ranks uh like sixth i mean it's it's while he's exciting to watch and while i did mention that he could throw his name into the hat i think from a strictly stat statistics standpoint i think russell wilson will still be able to take it home I'm trying to think if there's any like I'm trying to think if there's any like dark horse, so to speak. Hard to hard to knock how about, Pat Mahomes. How about Dalvin Cook? Yeah, yeah, but he just doesn't I mean without the full season, it's tough. He just won't like he's been wildly impressive and also his team sucks. So that I think team success is, is a big factor. Pat Mahomes, twenty seven hundred yards a season, twenty-five touchdowns, one interception. He's got the let's see. He's got One the he's got, he's got the highest QBR uh, in the league by by a a, a a fraction of a percent. Um, so Pat Mahomes could come in, and if he continues to just kind of like just shit on the league, he could very easily come in and uh, who won and MVP last year? Brady. Lamar. Oh, Lamar. That's right. Um, uh, it almost you're right though. It almost feels like nobody is talking about Pat Mahomes. Yeah, 100%. I think that's because Insane. everybody's talking about Pat Mahomes. You know what I mean? Like this is a like generational he's too good. I mean, he's I mean he's a generational talent. This is a guy who is the highest paid football player in the freaking league, essentially. In history. In history, coming off of a of a Super Bowl win with Andy Reid and the Cheeseburgers, and uh, I, I'm not like casting him out because of that, but I don't know, man. I just think like because of how much attention is on him, there like is an attention of MVP. It's just kind of more like, oh, is he going to win another Super Bowl? Is he Andy, go- Andy loves ketchup. There's something suspect when you love ketchup that much. Like, oh, you, I don't love like, ketchup. you don't do ketchup on burgers? I mean, I put it on burgers, but I have like a, a weird feeling that he puts it on everything. Fuck he, probably, he probably does a scoop of uh, like a spoon he- scoop and eats it. I think he puts it on steak, and that's that's certainly where I draw the line. Oh, he should be publicly 
stoned. He's also from Texas. I don't know. That's even that's even worse. Like that's the Longhorn State. Yeah, I know. Well, I I don't I don't knock him for that. Obviously, there's there must be something good in ketchup because the guy is fucking nasty. Granted, he has <laughs> his team is filthy too, but. I mean, Tom, come on. You ke- like only ketchup on burgers, ketchup on hot dogs, ketchup on eggs, ketchup on bacon, egg, and cheese, ketchup on mac and cheese. Uh, yeah, you know. yeah, sometimes pasta if you're feeling really white trash. No, I don't do that. No, no, no. All right, all right, all right. Come but on. the mac um, and no, cheese is not bad. You get, a, you, get a, you get a plate of bro- uh, broccoli, dinosaur chicken nuggets, and mac and cheese. And by nuts? yes, oh, of course. And by accident, some of the ketchup gets on the mac and cheese. It's not. It's not a bad day. It's not <laughs> a bad day. It, it, I would argue that your day just got a little better <laughs> because of that. Learn something. You actually, your brain is better from it. All right. Well, I'll tell you what your brain won't be better from, and that's us closing up with some buzzer beaters, gentlemen. I'll kick it over to you to close this out. Lasagna, you start us off. Mm, I am wildly unprepared for this. Let me think. Back to back week, Tom. Weeks, Tom. Fucking, you know, get it together. I know, I know, I know. Um, all right, well, do you think that you're like a, you know, PhD, like working with, you know, biochemistry? Jesus. All right. So moving forward, uh, does not look like Christian McCaffrey is playing this week. And I'm a little nervous that they're going to shut him down for the year with their season. Likely out of contention now that they're sitting at what? What are the Panthers at? Like three and six? Let's see. Well, anyways, um, I'm really sad you. for all fantasy owners. I got um, you. Yeah, Panthers Panthers are three and seven. And with the Bucks and the Saints ahead of them, it's looking less and less likely that they're going to have a legitimate playoff shot. So if you're a Christian McCaffrey owner like myself, I'm really sorry for you, and I know we've been holding strong, but I'm starting to get worried that the worst news is yet to come, and that is a total and complete shutdown of the kid. So say your prayers for him. You know, Maybe call a doctor, get a second opinion on him because I need you sitting, him Aren't you rush. sitting third in the league right now? Third in the league, number one in your hearts. Yeah, I heard that. All right, Harry, what do you got for us? I got two things completely unrelated to each other. One, I'm going to go back to Bryson DeChambeau and the Masters. I just want to say a couple of things. One, do not disrespect Augusta National, like ever. Like, I don't care how good of a golfer you think you are. You cannot disrespect that course and, and think that you are better than it because all you're going to do is make yourself look like an absolute fucking asshole when you go out and shoot two under par for the tournament, T34, which isn't saying much when there's only 85 guys in the tournament and only 55 of them made the cut. Um, so, you know, the what fact did he that say? He, he said, well, he's saying that it's going to be a par 67 for him and that he expects, you know, you know, he expects pretty much to shoot five under par every single round or better. Um, the man, asshole. just asshole. absolute legend. The guy, and then DJ continued. goes out and does it. That's and the DJ best goes part. on and does it. And, and so DJ was asked, they were like, you know, did you see yourself playing this as a par 67? And he goes, he goes, I don't even, I, he goes, I didn't even think about that. He goes, <laughs> and he <laughs> made some like snark, he goes, like, you made some snarky comment, kind of like making a dig at Bryson. And all these guys do. All these guys, I, I don't think any of these golfers like Bryson. I think they think he's a fucking tool because he is. 
He wears um, a cab hat, dude. It's so stupid. And did you see that he, you know, got a COVID test because he was feeling dizzy and lightheaded? Buddy, that's called nerves, and you clearly don't know how to fucking handle no. them. That's called that's all being that was. a vagina. That's, it's called being a, a huge, huge pussy. Um, you know, so that's, that's my take on Bryson. I, he obviously can't take the heat. Yes, he's won some big tournaments when he wasn't, like, the outright uh, favorite. Um, but fuck him. Next one, one of our favorite people here on End of Regulation, Antonio Brown, was accused last month by the community in which he lives of destroying a security camera and throwing a bicycle at a security, car, a security guard on October 15th. Um, it appears that the uh, charges will not be pressed against him because the president of the uh, Hollywood Oaks Homeowners Association told police she feared Brown may retaliate against her employees. So we are not we are not more than two and a half weeks of Antonio Brown being back in the NFL, and this guy is still the same Antonio Brown that we and expected him to be. First of all, what fucking world do we live in where somebody is neglecting to press charges because he's worried that the guy will hurt him? Like, okay, then make that clear and put him in cuffs. <laughs> I think the point was is that she didn't want apparently like there's this whole thing where he's concerned that he's routinely targeted by some people for mistreatment and undue scrutiny because he is Antonio Brown. So he feels like he gets like too much attention. And, and especially since he's had his run ins with the law that he kind of has this bad connotation with his name, which is completely warranted because he's been a fucking asshole for two plus years. Um, well, and I mean, so, yeah, this whole life, you don't, at the, you, of, I mean, at the end of the day, my buzzer beaters are, are completely centered around assholes and, and why you shouldn't be one. So everybody <laughs> just don't be an asshole. We all have one, but don't be one. Don't be one. Thank you. All right. Thank you as always for joining us here tonight or morning or day, wherever you're at. If you're not already, make sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram so that we can keep you constantly entertained and educated. Additionally, make sure to check us out on iTunes and Spotify. We're going to need you to go ahead, click, and subscribe so you can stay up to date on our weekly released episodes. To close us out here tonight, this is a little song that you probably are familiar with from some film features. Uh, and I'm not talking porn. I'm talking Hollywood. And that is Nina Simone, Sinner Man. So we'll close us out with that, and we'll see you all next week. Later.
Oh, uh-huh. 